All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The first selection of the National Hockey League Draft belongs to... The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes to you courtesy of the Nation Network. The first overall pick in the 2015 NHL Draft. Gretzky had it, lost it, Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman holding, blue line, jam, stop! Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off. The Daily Face-Off podcast with your host, Brock Sagan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 52 of the Daily Face-Off podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Brock Sagan, with me, as always, for the last 51 episodes from Brantford, Dylan D. Berthneum. How's it going, D? Doing pretty good. How you doing, Brock? Not bad. And uh, probably in Brantford as of last night, we have Michael Biebs Bondi coming live from Windsor tonight. I heard you took the fast track home today, Biebs. Yeah, um, I've been traveling, you know, going to <laughs> hockey games and such. Went to a Wings game on Friday and then was like, hey, you know what? You know what would be good? Just going to watch the Leafs on Tuesday. So me and D decided to go last night, made the drive up after work, um, and then drove home back after this the morning for work. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty jokes how we got the tickets. He's probably... No, we talked about it already. Did we? I was going to yeah, say, we I think we did, yeah. Ago. yeah. So you guys enjoyed yourself. That was a good game to be at. Nice W for the Bucks. Yeah, they won. We were worried. They were on a back-to-back, and we had to C-Mac stood on his so. head, eh? Oh, he's so head. good. <laughs> yeah. 
That was our biggest worry, like the night before we were talking. I know. Like, D oh, kind of <laughs> about the Anderson thing. Yeah, yeah we're just like, just I like hope so... Anderson gets lit up, and then he, you know, he gets pulled halfway through that. Game, Brock, so my, o- my only hope day. was that Henny was the one who had tweeted out that. Oh well, yeah, was exactly. Likely to play. And I know you just do not trust the man at all. Well, Henny, like I do when it comes to like his. All like Andrew practice Kyle. reports, like when he reports that a guy's in the Leafs starters net, like I'm really just hoping he didn't get done two nets backwards because like <laughs> I have to trust him on that one. I just have to trust that he's in the right net. But like yeah. whenever he like projects his starter, like if he's just guessing, I usually just go with the guy he didn't guess because he is he's wrong nine times out of ten. But no, but he that day he said that you know Anderson's in the starters net. He's, he's right. the projected starter for the next game. So I believed him. Uh, more so than I usually do, but no, you're right. Uh, and he, and he's become he less right. trustworthy. Over, no, he ended up being right. Uh, yeah. It's because it wasn't a guess, though. It was a uh, factual information. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was a good game, eh? Yeah. Yeah. How are the uh, stars? I've never seen the stars live. Pretty fun team to watch, or was it kind of uh, less? Obviously, you guys went to the less fun of the two uh, Leaf Stars game, but still, it's obviously more fun to watch the Buds win. Yeah, I mean, then get blown out, right? Um, no, it was. I don't know. I feel like Sagan didn't play that great, eh, Biebs? Um. Yeah. No. I don't know. Like, just the team. Like, ugh, they just looked kind of stale. Like, I don't know. They they didn't look too good. Like, like Sagan looked good. He had his, you know, he had his goal and he had a couple. He had another one off the post or something. But other than that, like, they didn't stand out. Like, the yeah, least players back seemed to stand out a third. lot more. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Like, to me, it was just like. I don't know. It just didn't seem like there's a lot of depth in like in that team at all. And like obviously, but even like like past that first line, like it didn't seem like there was a lot of continued pressure at all on that no. But it was a good game, you know, for us to watch. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. There's a lot of goals like right off the draw. Um, a few goals, I should say. But uh, all in all, it was pretty good for entertaining. Like we couldn't believe how good Malkenny was playing because he was just on it from the get, man. The no, guys. yeah, he he, mm-hmm. he had a, he had a strong performance for sure. I've uh, I've actually just been taping like some Leaf games like on random occasions and then just watching Whoa. them back like the night. Well, they're just fun to watch. Like I, I taped the Leafs Islanders game get there the other night uh, and and watched it like the day oh, like the next day and the game was fantastic. Like it was just. It's just, like, the Leafs are fun to watch from abroad, right? Like, if you're a Leafs fan, they're probably still pretty fun to watch, but also pretty nerve-wracking just because <laughs> they just trade, like, chances back and forth. It's like a heavyweight fight, man. It's just, it, like, that, especially so, that was, Islanders game. Like, the Islanders are a pretty fast team themselves. Yeah, the game was nuts. And they were just trading chances. It was wild. So, I, I've been, like, I, I tape a couple games here and there. Like, it's not just all Leafs, but... I found myself paying a little bit more attention to the Leafs games, just trying That's to converting. Because, well, definitely not converting, but um, they're, they're definitely a fun team to watch. I don't think uh, by any stretch they're a great team, but they are most definitely an exciting team to watch. They've uh, they, it's just end and nonstop. It's wild, and they yeah. just obviously have an abundance of, of young talent, which is always uh, makes it a little bit more exciting. But um, speaking of fun teams, one team that apparently is be is trying to become more fun um, is the Boston Bruins who um, were in the media earlier this week for firing their head coach, Claude Julian. Um, They also did it on the day of the new England Patriots super bowl parade. Uh, Maybe trying to hide behind that a little bit. Um, Not any different from when they fired the general manager there a couple years ago. Uh, They did the exact same thing. 
So this is a team that clearly is making humongous. I'm so pissed if I had to go report on that. Not yeah. Oh, exactly. And it's just a team that's making humongous decisions, and they're basically. It's almost like they don't even agree with the decisions themselves, and they're like, "Well, if we're gonna just make this decision, we should hide behind this wall of insane Patriots fans that are gonna be ending up going to this parade." Uh, I don't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, even if you're at that parade. You're still getting that mobile update that it happened, and regardless of if you're at the parade or not, you're still gonna be like, "Well, that was stupid." Um, yeah, it does, like, know, like you can try to hide behind anything. it. I guess it gets like less media attention is the only reason. But like, like at the end of the day, like it's not like that news isn't gonna get out there. It's not like that Bruins are gonna Bruins fans are gonna watch the next game and be like, "Oh, Claude Julian's not our coach anymore. What happened?" Like, it's just bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. I just think. I mean, if that really was what they wanted to do, I think they, I mean, they must have assumed it was, you know, they must be thinking it's the right move, obviously, to move on from Julian. They're on their um, bye week. But too, if they were actually yeah. thinking, like, you know, to maybe, like, ease the blow a little bit by uh, re- making the press release during the Super Bowl parade, uh, I, I, like, the only reason that it kind of makes sense to me is, like, um, I just think it, you would expect kind of some like uh, opposition from the fans, I guess, at the announcement, right? Because like Julian brought a cup to Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bruins have been good basically under his entire tenure. Took him to the finals two years. So ago. I like uh, yeah, and I, I feel like he's pretty respected in that uh, city. I was gonna say town, but <laughs> I think he's just really well respected around the league. Like, there's not a lot yeah. of people that don't love like like Claude Julian. Yeah, yeah, Vegas I, I feel like it's uh, the same boat as Hitchcock. Like, I don't think he's going to be out of work. Uh, if he doesn't want long. to be, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It just it, I it, think it's Hitchcock's brutal for retired. it's brutal for Julian too because uh, quickly like we talked about this like it kind of started with the fact that Bergeron was struggling playing on a line that was dominating, but it was kind of just uh, the entire Bruins team that was like they lead the league in Corsi four percentage, but then also oh, had shoot. a league worst five point nine seven shooting percentage. And then the third worst save percentage in the NHL. So they were literally dominating games, but couldn't score and couldn't and get still the big in the stops. Race. And they're still in the hunt. Yeah. So it was yeah. just like, it, it's been a team that's kind of just defied logic. Maybe not logic, but it's defied the numbers that everybody has really entrusted in these last couple of years. And it's, it's really just battled everything we, we've come to learn about those numbers and whether or not it's, it, it's defying those numbers or it's just bad luck. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, whatever it is led to the firing of Claude Julian, uh, which sucks for him. But I think a lot of people have pointed out that Claude Julian might be out of work for five minutes. It's not going to be uh, long. He's going to go get a cup of coffee at the local coffee shop and probably get hired as soon as he yeah. walks in the door. Yeah, um, even think, Mike Babcock stood up for him yeah. um, in a press, press conference. Yes, or not and, press conference. But and I think it was Elliot Friedman that came out today. I, I believe I retweeted it uh, just saying he, that um, Julian's already received two offers and he doesn't think that he'll even be around long enough uh, for Las Vegas to get their hands on him. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I thought would get him, but I, I guess if that's kind of coming out, then, you know. He would What's be a the... nice fit. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised him going into St. Louis at all, to be honest. Nope, no, that would be uh, that'd be really nice. Sliding right sure. in, yeah. But it, see, it, it... Are we going to see, like, a Vigneault-Torrell uh, situation? Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll flop. Yeah, it's crazy just to, like, losing a guy like Hitchcock and you just immediately bring in uh, Claude Julian. It, just, that's like, a, that's a nice potentially... Pick. 
something's crazy, man. All right, I, you know, if I could just interject a little bit, like, I don't know, what do you think about kind of overall, Brock? I don't feel like a lot of uh, blame could be laid at Julian's feet right now. I feel like kind of, you know, no, their fall from being a real powerhouse in the league kind of lies on the management more than mm. anything else and some of the yeah, personnel they've made decisions. some bad decisions. That and combined with, I think, Tuka Rask getting a little bit older and no longer an elite, elite goaltender. Well, um, and then you look at a guy like Chara getting older too. Yeah, I mean that's uh, an elite defenseman playing half your game. So, um, but you know, I also think Krug has gotten better. Like I don't think their defense is the problem. To me, like it when you look at their team now, they really just seem like a one line team. Yeah, and the one thing that sorry, so this is actually where it started was um, they fire him and then they say they want to become a faster, more exciting team. But then you look at them. This is a team that has notoriously been known as a heavy team, a hard team to play against. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how they've literally gone about signing and trading and acquiring and drafting players right, over the years. And then overnight, yeah, they signed Bacchus to a big contract in the offseason. And then all of a sudden, overnight, they're like, oh, actually, just kidding. We want to be a fast team. It's like you can't just fire your coach after literally building your team under the exact same structure for years, and all of a sudden you're going to fire your coach and become a fast team. It just doesn't make any sense. It's just it's they've. This is a team that's notoriously made weird, stupid decisions. You know, they traded Tyler Segan for whatever reason. <laughs> they just they've made some weird moves that have kind of been unexplainable. And this is kind of another one. I mean, I understand coaching is a little different than players. You sometimes you just need a new voice. I get that. But you Even can't just like fire Julian and just be like, oh, guess what? He's gone. We're going to be a fast team. It's like, no. <laughs> it's not how that works. It just it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. it's a bizarre I mean, situation. We were joking about it before the show, but how much better does – I'm sorry, Bruins fans. But like how much better does this team look with uh, Sagan down the middle too and you have that to complement the line of Krejci, pa- uh, sorry, Pasternak, Marshan, and Bergeron? Um but yeah, I mean, you look at like moving Dougie Hamilton too, like earlier than they had to, mm-hmm. um, and clearly they're not as deep on D as they might have once thought. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man. I, I really think like more blame lies in management, but uh, unfortunately for Julian, the coach and management don't always have equal say in those situations. It happens a lot. Yeah, they and you know yeah, that's the one thing. Before we'll move it's like on. Like the one bullet you get as a GM, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, one bullet in the chamber. Yeah. And that's the one thing before we move on here is like they did. They kind of lost Segan. They lost Lucic, Hamilton, even uh, even losing a guy like Johnny Boychuk. And they just never seemed to really replace those guys. It yeah. was just kind of they, they lost those guys. Going down yeah, they just lost those guys. And then it was just kind of like a patch job the whole time since then. And it, it kind of slowly fell apart. Then you have uh, – the Riley Smith for Jimmy Hayes trade, which has just worked <laughs> out terribly. Terrible. I think Hayes has like three points on the Four year. Points. Yeah, we were Four looking points. at it. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's been three points. You're right. Three it points has in not, 40 games. Yeah, it's, that's terrible. Uh, and Smith is like, I mean, obviously not uh, the best player in the NHL, but he's, he's been a very serviceable uh, player. He's top nine, Hayes. borderline top six. Oh, know. for sure. Yeah, he's been much better than healthy scratch Jimmy Hayes. Uh, it just <laughs> hasn't worked out that well. But speaking of healthy scratches, uh, everybody's everybody's favorite breakout defenseman last year, Shane Gosses Bear, has been a healthy That's scratch for three straight games. Um, he appears it appears like he's going to draw back into the lineup tomorrow. He practiced uh, on the top power play today. 
but he was interviewed after practice, and he's like, I honestly have no idea if I'm even playing tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the Flyers are really upset with kind of how he's handled his, his, his defensive zone responsibilities. Uh, but this is obviously a guy... It, it, it's a touchy subject for guys like us on a fantasy hockey podcast because yeah. this isn't really a player that you can freak out about because when he is in the lineup, he's still producing um, fantasy-worthy numbers, but if he's not good enough defensively and he's being healthy scratch, it's like it leaves Goss's Bear owners in a bit of a conundrum. Like, what do you really do with him? Who is he? Because if he's not good enough to be in the lineup, then... What is he? It's weird. It's just it's tough for guys like us to try to explain what exactly you should do with Gosses Bear. What would you guys do right now if you were Gosses Bear owners? My thing with Gosses Bear, uh, fantasy wise, I think you just kind of got to ride this one out. The guy has so much value that if you if you're gonna move him right now, or even I mean, some people might even be considered dropping him. It's not really worth it. Um, we've seen him kind of be an elite, an elite level production defenseman, and as you mentioned, he's still in the top power play. So when he does draw back in, he will be in that top power play spot that has more fantasy value than even if he's playing third pair regular minutes, I mean, that power play itself, it's uh, we've seen it do well. It has Claude Giroux. It has Wayne Simmons. It has Jakob Voracek. It has Braden Shen. So, you know, there's some good guys there. Um, my thing about Gosses Bear, just kind of, like you said, it's just the defensive game. He looks terrible in his own zone, and um, and they can't really stand to have that liability. They already have Mark Strait kind of, no offense to Mark Strait, but he's kind of already that guy who supplies offense and lacks defense. Um <laughs> More than, you know, but he can play it a lot better than Gossip's Bear right now. So I think Gossip's Bear, the minus 19, um, that is a team stat as we've talked about. But it's uh, at the same time, when you're a defenseman, it's pretty ugly. So um, for Gossip's Bear, just owners have to hope, you know, there's an injury in Philly and he can just draw in every night. That's that's what I think you got to hope for. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's weird to me. Like, I don't really see, like, to me, it's like the good that he brings to the table absolutely outweighs the bad. I agree. It should um, be in. I think if he had 17 goals again right now, like, it wouldn't be a question, right? Like, so I don't really think, like, his defensive issues is, like, totally relevant here. We're talking about a guy who's still only played about 100 games in the league. Obviously, there's going to be a learning curve defensively. Yeah, he's having a sophomore slump. That's all. I just think they're more kind of rattled about the lack of offensive production, which, you know, we'll we'll talk about it more in a little bit, Brad. But to me, like, it just seems, you know... (laughs) I hate just chalking these things up to bad luck, but it's definitely factored into Gosses Bears' production this year. Um, and, you know, like, like I said, dude, I think if he's putting up the same numbers he puts up last year, there's no way this guy's getting healthy, right? So for me, like, all that crap about him not being as strong as the fence zone and struggling with that, it's just kind of BS to me, dude. Like, his possession numbers are up. He's getting more shots towards the net than he did last year, and they just don't really seem to be going in. It's it's so, like, I don't care who you are, and, and you're right, you're banging on, D. It's just like, he's his positives outweigh the negatives, and if you're going to healthy this guy and put Nick Schultz in the lineup and continuously dress Andrew McDonald, like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, those guys are terrible. They yeah, really, yeah like, I just think it's not like It's not like they're scratching him. For a, another young up-and-coming defenseman, it's not like him and Provorov are flirting with the lineup and they have to yeah. keep swapping them. They're 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 replacing them with plugs, and it's, no, I just it's think just like it makes the, no sense. It literally makes none. I just it, like, it's dumb. The mindset in hockey hey, with Brandon these young Manning guys, like it's kind of like fight it, superstars. Yeah. <laughs> it's equivalent to like um, 
like like we were saying earlier with like you know the GM's got one bullet in the chamber you know they get to fire one coach basically they get two tries at it um for a coach a lot of the time like the ways they try to get through these young guys we see it all the time is they do healthy them you know what I mean like it's their one way of really just kind of smacking them across the head and saying hey like you know you're Fair not it playing out. good Straighten it up. you're not playing what we think you should be playing um but you know to me like I, that's just all questionable to me I don't see how much can really be learned sitting in the press box? No. Um, one game, maybe. You know, take a seat for one yeah. game. Health in it for three in a row is just absurd, especially when your team is getting shut out in yeah. two of those games, I think. Like, they're getting shut out, and you got your best offensive defenseman sitting upstairs in a suit. It is just dumb. And yeah. as, a, as, a, as a Red Wing fan, every night I watch Jonathan Erickson play like dog shit. He <laughs> never gets scratched. And then you got yeah. a guy who's capable of busting, of busting a game always open. Always comes back to Well, Erickson. I'm just speaking from experience as a, as no, a personal yeah, fan. Like, if I was a Flyers fan watching Nick Schultz and Andrew yeah, McDonald, be I'd be losing it. my shit. That's just what yeah. I'm trying to relate it to. It's just yeah. as, a per, as, as a fan of which team I'm a fan of. But uh, let's continue. Let's wrap up the Around the League super quick here. Uh, so since the Blues fired Ken Hitchcock, like we alluded to earlier, um, they're 3-1-0, just four games, small sample size, but they're coming off back-to-back shutouts. So their goaltending may be coming around a bit. Uh, did maybe the Blues just hit a little bit of a dry spell there? and blamed Hitchcock for it. Now they're kind of back on track, or is this still kind of the team we thought they might be that is, isn't that great with sketchy goaltending? Yeah, like, I feel like, um, you know, what, do they have two shutouts in those three games? Yep. Um, and one of them we were talking about, they got outshot by almost 20 or 30 shots or something. Yeah, they, they, I think they only had yeah. 14 shots against Philadelphia. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. Like, I'm not really ready to buy in on anything huge. Um Especially because they just lost Fabry for the year. Yeah, that if they doesn't didn't help lose Fabry, right like now. I might be a believer. Yeah. No, the I one still thing think is, like they're borderline good enough to do it. I like, but is there that big of a difference from this from the team that's playing now that there was a week ago under Hishok? And I don't think so. No, no, yeah, I think they got they got a little bit hot. But the one thing is, they do they are scoring a lot this year, so that's one thing they do have going in their favor. If they could bring these goals down in like any way whatsoever with their goal production, they I mean they. I think they're definitely a playoff team. Obviously, the Fabry injury hurts, but um, I think they're going to make some moves at the deadline that might surprise some people, or might I don't I don't know. It's it's so hard to say. You know, where where Shattenkirk goes could make a huge difference as far as where this team looks in a month. Yeah, the Blues are a type of team, and you're right, Beebs, that can kind of they're like they seem borderline. I don't think their goaltending yeah. is so bad that they can't do it with. It's not as with, bad as it's been either. No, yeah, like I don't think that they can't do it with Jake Allen. Um, I think that they like. I think we've talked about it a couple weeks in a row. They're just kind of just a team that's just lacking some pieces. Uh, they are still a deep team. Bringing up guys like Ivan Barbashev is a nice move. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenny Agostino is leading the AHL in points, so they have capable guys that that can fill in for somebody like Fabry. I love Jaden Schwartz, uh, Magnus Pajari. <laughs> yeah, he scored coming up. Uh, whatever, but. It's they are they got a solid blue line. If they, I just the one thing I can't fathom is why they continuously scratch Carl Gunnarsson yeah. for Robert Bortuzzo. It's just it's mind boggling. Like Bortuzzo is not a good hockey player, and Gunnarsson's just that stay at home defenseman that just fills in the gaps for the more offensive minded guys like Shattenkirk. Like if I was Shattenkirk, I'd be going like, yo. I want to play with this guy because I can do whatever I want, and he'll just be <laughs> sitting back there on D. Like this is perfect. But they just—I mm-hmm. don't know—it's weird. It, they just kind of seem like we talked about it before. They just seem to have mismanaged their lineup this year, and 
there's just a couple players away, but there's nothing to say that a couple deadline moves couldn't shake this lineup up enough to, to you know, put them back in contention again. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just I, I like the Blues. I think they're they've kind of underperformed this year, and I think uh, maybe the coaching change is working and kind of lighting a fire under some of these guys' butts. But I don't know. I definitely think it's a team to watch out for. They're not they're not up there with those uh, with you know the Washingtons, the Pittsburghs, or any of that, San Jose, any of those guys. But still. But hey, you just got to get in, right? That's what they say. Um, oh yeah, I just think straight up like the goaltending's been better the last. Uh, that's the whole thing. Like, there's no way how good you are, you can't make it into the playoffs if you're starting goalie as a 900 save percentage. Yeah. And I think like their goaltending wasn't as bad as it was there for a stretch and it's not as good as it was for this stretch. It's like we always say it's somewhere in between and yeah. and that might be enough, you know, 912. We we see teams like LA do it with a 912 just as long mm-hmm. as they, you know, as long as they play good enough. That couldn't be Jason. enough, but uh we were just talking about deadline trades. Let's these segues have actually been killing it. I didn't even plan any of these. Yeah, not just, bad. They're just falling in my lap. But so we just were talking about <laughs> the Blues potentially making a trade. Let's fit you know shift our focus more now into fancy hockey trade deadline acquisitions. Uh, there's they're coming up. It's like it, it, it depends what your league rules are. I think uh, most mm-hmm. of my leagues were around March second is the deadline. So under a month away, we got about three weeks away from the fancy hockey trade deadline. Uh, so these next couple weeks, we're really going to be hammering home on some buy low guys, uh, sell high guys too. But you don't; it doesn't really matter who you trade away, as long as you're getting a guy whose value is lower than it has ever been, or or it should be when you acquire. Because if you're acquiring a guy whose value is low, most likely you're giving up less than you should actually trade. So it doesn't really matter who you trade away. It just matters who you're buying low on. So we're really going to hammer away in the next couple weeks on guys that you should be targeting on the trade market because this is the time of year when you're in contention. You uh, you know you add a couple pieces on the, on the cheap, and then they heat up and carry you to the championship. This is the time you really can make or break your fantasy season. So, uh, D, we'll start with you. Who's a guy you're really looking to buy low on right now? Okay, so... Um... Yeah, I guess I'll start off with Johnny Gaudreau here. Um, 11 goals, 24 assists, and, thir- and 46 games so far this season for Gaudreau. Um, obviously missed some time with injury as well, about 10 games or so. Uh, last season posted 78 points in 79 games. and um, So right now he's about a 62-point pace over an 82-game schedule. So not like the most drastic drop-off in production, but just um, not what you would expect given he's coming into his age 23 season. Um I after looking at it, like I do think it's really pretty simple. Uh, it didn't take a whole lot more than looking at his shooting percentages, um, which you know we sound like a broken record, but there's so much more reliable uh, or less reliable, sorry, than, than just a basic shot production. So he shot over 14% in his first two se- seasons, shooting 8.7 this season. Um, you know, and perhaps probably more important uh, is on ice shooting percentage at six and a half right now, a career mark of over 10%. Uh, so yes, while 14% personal shooting percentage and an on ice over 10 is definitely, you know, it's hard to maintain. It's more than doable for elite players, which is what Goudreau showed to be in his first 160 games in the NHL. And for me, that's definitely good enough sample size to say his percentages right now should probably regress more back towards that. Uh, and he's been fairly unlucky so far this year. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that coupled with the injury has really lowered his value in the eyes of the average fantasy holder. Um, I just think he's due to bounce back, and I'd almost expect him to be right around a point-per-game pace from here on out. And, yeah, I think it was a couple weeks ago we, we spoke about uh, – I was talking about how I really liked uh, Sean Monaghan and Gaudreau going forward because, you know, mm-hmm. they were almost in the same situation last year and had really strong finishes. 
Uh, the Flames went through that little uh, dry spell there a couple weeks ago prior to the All-Star break, and they've they've picked things up since. And, you know, Goudreau has, has, uh, has picked things up recently. And definitely, I mean, a lot of people that drafted Goudreau were not expecting him to have 11 goals at this point in the season. So there's a, I yeah. think there's going to be a couple of bitter owners. I know I'm... I own him in one league. I think I'm smart enough then to trade him away for, uh, you know, Magnus Pyarvi at this point. But there's, <laughs> there is some there is some owners out there that are probably panicking, you know, thinking they can get more production out of somebody else trading Goudreau. So I like it a lot. I was going to say, I don't have much more to say on Goudreau. I mean, he, he he's one of those guys, we we mentioned his slow start. We mentioned, you know, how he kind of, we have mentioned in previous episodes how he has turned it on uh, or how last year he turned it on second half with Monaghan there. Um, I definitely, you know, I, I, I like the guy. I've, I actually rostered him in two leagues, so I, I got to kind of hold on to him and, and hope for the best with him. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely got to go after there. On my buy low, I have um, someone who, uh, kind of a weird buy low this time around, but it's Jordan Eberle for me. Um, one of the guys we were super high on in the early weeks because he's playing with McDavid, or he was playing with McDavid. But ever since he kind of left McDavid's line, people have been panicking and dropping him or trading him for, you know, Barely nothing, um, which I did in a league this week. I traded him for a basically borderline waiver guy, so it felt great. Um, so, and that made me think about this because one thing about Jordan Eberle is um, he's kind of when he when he does get in a position, a good scoring position, he kind of tends to produce. And one reason why I, I say go after this guy as a low candidate is because he might be traded at the deadline, and he might be traded to someone where they're going to toss him in a top six role. He is in a top six role with Edmonton, but a little bit a little bit better around him, and maybe one where he could produce a bit better. He's a he's a pretty natural goal scorer. He's had twenty plus goals in four of his last five years. That's pretty good for fantasy hockey. He's he's a three time sixty point goal scorer, um, including a seventy two point top year just a couple of years ago. There, um, he's a guy where like I, like I mentioned, you know, maybe a change of scenery could uh, could jump him up into a, a top tier fantasy player. And if he's someone where you don't have to give up a lot and put him at the bottom of your lineup just for a couple of weeks until that uh, trade deadline rolls around then uh, totally worth it. Or even if you keep him with Edmonton, there's there's definitely a chance Patrick Maroon falls out of that top line. We talked about it. He probably won't, but it could happen at any time. You never know. And uh, if Everly jumps up with McDavid again, he becomes elite. Yeah, and the one thing about Everly, too, is he's on pace for the most shots in his entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's and, shooting and, at a lower percentage. Yeah, and he's a guy that's shot at a really, really high uh, percentage throughout his career, uh, 13.4 in his career. Uh, he's been over uh, 12 for every year since his rookie season but he's shooting at just eight percent this year so it's a guy that's shooting more than he ever has playing less than he ever has so you'd expect his fortunes to change a little bit um and i think we spoke about this before too i mean not playing with mcdavid yeah sure that drops your value but he's not playing uh with yori latera on the second line he's playing he's with ryan nugent hopkins yeah. who uh you know you could do far worse of a line mate than uh than nuge uh, for me, the one guy I really looking at buying low on is Tyler Toffoli. Um, Toffoli was hot earlier in the year um, before he got hurt. And then I think a lot of people were really waiting for Toffoli to get back in the lineup and kind of light it up. And it hasn't happened. Uh, he's gone. He's only played three games, but he's gone pointless in those three games. And I think a lot of fantasy owners tend to get antsy in situations like this. Uh, you know, you, you wait forever for this guy to get back mm-hmm. and then he finally returns you drop somebody who maybe you know you didn't want to to get him back in the lineup and then he doesn't really do anything uh but to fully playing with jeff carter who's been absolutely on fire this year oh, tanner absolutely. pearson stepped up in a big big way after uh to got hurt so just getting that line back together and we've seen them be so successful 
uh, over the years. And, you know, Toffoli loves to shoot. He's got seven shots in his, in his three games since coming back. I just think that he is a guy you can go after because I think people might be just getting a little antsy with him just uh, just returning to the lineup and not quite doing anything yet. Uh, D, I'm sure you got another guy you're buying low on, though. Um, yeah, so this one, we're talking... You can sell high if you want to. It's up to you. Whatever you I'm want I'm just trying to, to see what I got here. Okay, yeah. So I got a, I got an extra sell high. Um, not an extra buy low. But I can uh, move into that if you guys don't have any more buy lows. Before we take I've on. got a couple. I got some buy lows. I'll, I'll, I'll jump into them super fast. D- them do you have any? Anymore? No, I do not. Um, I just, you know, did okay. my everything. Well, I just have a couple really guys it. to hit on really quick. Uh, the one, sorry, I meant to, I forgot to mention this though. Uh, as, the one thing about Toffoli that might make him a, a really interesting buy low candidate, specifically right now, um, is that they're heading into their bye week. So, like, they play, I think, tomorrow, and then they don't play again until next Thursday. So, that might hurt you in the short term. But then after that, obviously, the Kings are going to be playing a ton of games, and that might. Mm really entice owners to kind of want to move them there you know especially guys uh you know in in a playoff race that need you know to pick up every single point they can Mm -hmm. so if you're in a situation where you can add a guy who might not play as much in these coming weeks but he's gonna obviously that bye week's only one week after that uh i think Toffoli is a really nice ad right now another couple of players i'm i'm buying on cheap right now Uh, a couple of goalies i got carrie price and sergey bobrovsky um, I, I, I've chirped, uh, I chirped quite a few people this year, uh, because Bobrovsky obviously had a ridiculously hot start. Um, but it seems like all these big network people are always like, I know the NHL network released like their top 10 goalies right now. And like Bobrovsky was number one after like literally being <laughs> dog shit for, yeah. it's like, it's always like these big networks are always seem to be like, it's, uh, what have you done for me lately? Like, that's all they really give yeah. a shit about. And I was like, this is horrible. Like even Sportsnet the other day was like, uh, oh, Holpi is in the conversation for the best goalie after shutting out the Habs. It's like, bro, Holpi's been the best goalie for three years. Yeah. Like, what are you talking? <laughs> like, all of a sudden, Bobrovsky was playing good for two months, and he was the best goalie in the NHL. No, Bobrovsky had a really, really hot run there, and he's cooled right. No, but both. I'm talking about both of them. But Bobrovsky right now, Bobrovsky's really cool. No, no, down. I'm just saying Carey Price. Yeah, and he's, he's the same. Right oh yeah, Holpi for the yeah. Oh yes, exactly. But Bobrovsky's cooled right down. Uh, and like we talk about so often, especially with goalies, they're not as good as their as their top end, and they're not as bad as their low end. And the Blue Jackets, they're gonna, you know, they went on that 16 game winning streak. Yeah, of people course are they jumping were, off the of jacket they, type trade. Yeah, of course they were gonna crash a little bit. They can't win 16 in a row forever. So Bobrovsky, you know, he had four games in a row where he allowed four goals. That's not good. But he's not as bad as four games in a row where he allows four goals. And he's not as good as winning 11 in a row. But he's a really, really strong number one netminder. And I think you can move a guy who's a borderline number one for somebody like Bobrovsky right now. And I think Carey Price is in the same boat. Obviously, Carey Price is a humongous name. And it's very difficult to pry a player like Carey Price from, from their owners because he's such a big name. But I feel like if there was ever a chance where you can yeah. make a move for Carey Price, especially with a goalie who's played really well recently, like you could package somebody like Budai, potentially with a forward that's playing really well, and maybe steal somebody like Price, who I think it's there's not too many people you could ask where you'd be like, oh, Carey Price isn't going to be a top five net miner down the stretch. He There's a very strong chance, stronger than maybe anybody other than Holpe, that... He'll be a top five down the stretch. So 
if there was ever a window to try to steal Carey Price from an owner, like right now is it, especially, again, same thing with Toffoli, the bye week's coming up. This is the window. You're never going to have one. It's hard as hell to trade for <laughs> Carey Price and buy him low. Waiting. Like, you, yeah. have, you have to sell somebody really good to get Carey Price, but right now you might just be able to sneak him away from an owner. Um, I know if I'm that owner, not going to happen, but... Uh, there, I'm yeah. sure there's some out there. But anyways, I'll let you guys no, get to actually, some sell Brock, highs. Real quick, like, um, you were talking about Bobrovsky there and, you know, the kind of thought, uh, the logic that, you know, um, sure, like, he's not as good as he was, but he's better than he's doing at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, yep. um, I kind of just want to talk about Gosses for a little bit more here because uh, I think he kind of fits that exact thing. Like, he's got 21 points, 48 games this year, had 17 goals in 64 games last year. So, you know, I don't think a lot of people – expected him at all to continue scoring at that rate right like a defenseman keeping up an 11.2 shooting percentage Crazy. is so hard to do literally um, ridiculous but to drop to three and a half percent in his sophomore year like it's such a huge drop um and again you know broken record but i i just think he's almost right now he's like I, or i guess like his career to this point it's kind of a perfect example of why we look for guys who continually produce a lot of shots rather than guys who are simply converting at a high rate uh it's just much more sustainable year, year to year and um you know, just as 11.2 percentage last year was pretty ridiculous, so three and a half this year is like just as ridiculous, honestly. Um, and, you know, you said earlier in the show, Brock, we say it all the time, but whenever you see that type of extreme variance, uh, a lot more often than not, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, meaning, moving forward, I'd expect him to convert a lot better than three and a half percent. Like I think it's pretty much confirmed last year, this guy's got a pretty elite shot from the back end. For sure. uh, but you know, just obviously not at you know above 10 percent because that's you know borderline impossible for a D to maintain year to year. Um, it's just kind of funny because, you know, the same logic that made us weary of him at the start of the season also makes him an appealing by low candidate right now. Exactly. Um, so regression really does swing both ways. A And, um, you know, the underlying numbers, like we said earlier, look really solid. He's up to 54.6 even strength possession rate right now and a 4.7 relative, which are both really big improvements from last season. Um, and, you know, when you look at what what's happened, it's no surprise on a shooting percentage sitting at a lowly 6.3%. And, you know, I can't imagine how the scratch is anything that is going to continue long term. Uh, just questionable coaching <laughs> tactics in my mind. Right. Um, and I just think a smart fantasy owner here recognizes that the benching actually makes his fantasy trade value just skewed lower than it ever should oh, really be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Even if he was just if he was doing like this poorly and playing like they'd be like, well, he's still playing. But being scratched, people are getting frustrated. Uh, but oh, just yeah. to add a couple more things on Goss's Bear, too, like if you spanned out what he's done this year in a disappointing year, uh, he still would have tied for 37th in the NHL in points last year from defensemen. So still, yeah. I know that we kind of warned people at the start of the year that he was going to be a bust, but still a nice number three fantasy defenseman from what he's done this year. And then even if you take all the great that he did last year and combine it with the not-so-great that he's done this year, um, he's still on pace, like, his whole career numbers is a 15-goal, 33-assist, mm-hmm. over 82-game pace. So that's something that would have been... Uh, Reminds the me fan- of... Yeah, you know, that would have been 15th best in the NHL last year among yeah. uh, the Victor Hedmans and the Tyson Berries uh, and the Shane Goss's Bears of last year. but um, <laughs> It reminds me a lot of uh, Felino a couple years ago and coming into last season yep. where, like, you know, he's you know he's definitely due to regress. And then we're like, whoa, like, we didn't expect him to be this bad. Exactly. You know, he's clearly not that bad, but sometimes yeah, it just and then he bounced back regression again bites back year, in yep. the hardest f- way. Like, yeah. <laughs> hockey's a strange game, man. No, and that's the thing. We always try to preach that. It's just they're not – you're never going to be as good as your good day and you're never going to be as bad as your bad day. You, you know, you're mm-hmm. – 
on most nights over 82 games, you're somewhere in the middle. Uh, but yeah. Biebs, we'll let you talk about somebody who you're looking to sell high on right now. Hey, someone that I'm looking to sell high, um, and this might seem a little bit crazy to some people, it is Cam Atkinson of Columbus right now. And um, reason uh, the reason why I'm saying sell high on this guy isn't necessarily to sell him for someone lower than him. It's more to sell him for someone who values him at the same level as an absolute NHL superstar, fantasy superstar. Um, it's kind of what I'm thinking here, like a Claude Giroux, something like that for the rest of the year. And the reason I say this is uh, Cam Axon kind of had a crazy hot start to the beginning of the year, as everyone knew. Um, he... He definitely, um, he definitely wasn't um, someone that people had on their radar, but he's, he's kind of kept it going all year. But he's he's slowed down on the power play, and that's where a lot of his, his points were coming from. That's something that I'm getting a little bit worried about. He's also now taking Yeah, that this, power play's cooled playing. down a bit too. Yeah, big time. The actual whole team's kind of cooled down, and, and I know that no one expected Columbus to be this good at the beginning of the year or go on those winning streaks, but at the same time, uh, you know, I could see them slowly coming back to earth, and it kind of seems like it is happening to them. As you mentioned, Bobrovsky and that team in general, uh, four straight games, or is five straight games or four straight games of four goals against or more. Um, I do think that they're slowly starting to look like Columbus again, and I think Atkinson, he might still have a good second half, but, I mean, if you could trade this guy for someone who is a number one fantasy player out there, that's what I'm saying. You sell high on. Yeah, he's um, he's been great, but sell him while he's hot. He's been phenomenal, and he he's even kept it up. It's just if you can get someone who's a known every year producer, this is a guy who's a couple points off the topping his career high in points. I mean, it's not he's not used to this territory. And yeah, he and, and he's a type of player you can almost trade for somebody like John Tavares. I mean, Tavares exactly. is really heated up right now, which we all kind of said. Like I, I I have him in one league, and, and offers were coming in left and right, and I'm like, okay. Yes, he's struggled, but I'm okay. not. I'm not about to. I'm not about to jump <laughs> yeah. off Tavares' train here. But like a couple weeks ago, even like before Tavares got really hot, like Axon's a guy that people would have 100% accepted trades for for Tavares or something like like something along those lines, uh, Patrice Bergeron or something. And those are still guys that I think mm-hmm. I might rather have than Axon. But uh, while you're while you're right on one hand, Beebs for sure, he's he's been great. But I agree that he's a player that. What we've seen over the first half, I, I don't see him mirroring, obviously, here in the second yeah, half. No. So uh, I think he's a, he's a good guy, to, if, especially if there's somebody who, you know, maybe he's a Blue Jackets fan or somebody that's just interested in Atkinson, which I'm sure there's guys out there. Somebody who jumped um, on their bandwagon. Yeah, exactly. You can, you can definitely sell him for high. Uh, but, B, or sorry, D, before we head over to the Blue Stones and get to uh, the break, uh, one more sell-high candidate for the listeners. All right, so this is going to sound pretty crazy, so just hear me out. Uh, and this is definitely for redraft leagues only. But I think if you're a Patrick Line owner right now, it'd be beneficial to at least entertain Sounds like a some, fan. <laughs> to entertain some offers. You could probably make the same argument for Matthews. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and make it for Line. Um, and okay, so I'm going to start off. Yeah, Line has definitely, definitely showed to be, you know, have all the makings of an elite shooter, an elite scorer in a short time in the league. But shooting 18% is borderline impossible to maintain. And his five-on-five on-ice shooting percentage, 12.1, basically falls in the same category. So, you know, to me, Line is very good. Likely will be one of the best scorers in the league for years to come. Uh, But I just don't see him continuing to produce at these rates. And I think, at the very least, he's going to fall off a little bit for the rest of this season. Um, And the name just seems to carry so much weight, probably rightfully so. I just think you get an absolute monster return for him. Um, and I really, you know, don't get me wrong, I really wouldn't move him or sell him for anything short of uh, basically a king's ransom. Uh, but I just think it can be done at this point. Uh, it's definitely a gambler's move, but that's what fantasy is all about, right? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And you know what? To, to kind of just continue uh, quickly on that point, I think his teammate Mark Shifley, uh, who I talked about last week uh, during your guys' laugh session, um, but Shifley is, <laughs> is another guy You're who's talking? just been absolutely on fire. Uh, point per game this year, 25 goals, 28 assists. But he's shooting at an ungodly 21.7%. Um, mm. obviously over the course of a year, some, something like that's a little bit more maintainable maybe for one year, but, uh, I would still expect some serious regression in that regard. I love Mark Shifley. I really do. But I think like, obviously 21.7% is just insane. Um, yeah. and then even just to further, um, Beebs's point of Cam Atkinson, he's, uh, ranked ninth in the NHL right now 17. at a 17.1% uh, yeah. shooting percentage. So all these guys are just maybe getting uh, a couple extra bounces their way. I know uh, your boy there, Beebs Atkinson, scored a super lucky goal on uh, oh, absolutely. Peter Mrazik yesterday. I wasn't none too happy about that one. But anyways, uh, let's get to the Blue Stones real quick. And when we get back, we'll talk about uh, the NHL playoff picture very briefly. Uh, we just want to kind of touch on guys that teams that might fall out of the playoff picture here that are currently in it. Um, and then we're going to start a brand new segment, which is sort of in my mind already, but also brought to us by one of our patrons. Um, and that's kind of just to really start touching on the expansion draft. Uh, he kind of wanted us to just draft our expansion team, but we're going to take it a couple steps further. Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to just go team by team and, and talk about guys that we think that each team is going to protect who they're going to let go, and who's in real danger of ending up um, as a Golden Knight next year. Uh, we're, so we're going to continue that segment for the next uh, seven or eight episodes. And then after that, right around the end of the regular season, once we've you know, built the full list of players that should be available, according to us, we're going to draft our Las Vegas team. So uh, just a little bit of fun. Obviously, expansion uh, is pretty cool. It's exciting, uh, especially when the team is moving to Las Vegas. But anyways... As always, enjoy the Blue Stones. We will see you guys back Broke here in 60 so seconds. I, I drop my wounds and I die. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision arrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud. Make me happy, make me proud. Black hole. Solid ground, black hole, solid ground. A thousand voices set on free because this silence is killing me. of the daily face-off podcast we hope you enjoy those sweet licks from the blue stones as always hit them up on youtube hit them up on spotify great bands better music um i'm your co-host dylan berthium we like to take this moment right now to wish our my fellow co-host beebs a sweet night's sleep uh well the whole guy was <laughs> a little too tuckered out to finish the show so uh me and brock are gonna press on through our final two segments here we're gonna look at the playoff picture a little bit 
um, talk about which teams, you know, are uh, we think might fall out, which teams might slip in before years end. And then we're going to talk about the expansion draft, like Brock mentioned earlier. So, uh, Brock, take it away, man. Who you want to look at first here in the playoffs? Yeah, so uh, I'd first like to recognize that I forgot to mention earlier, uh, when I mentioned Jonathan Erickson, that it's a very Jonathan Erickson episode here on the Daily Faceoff Podcast, <laughs> number 52. Uh, before we get into everything here, I would also just like to thank our patrons, as always, uh, and especially Jonathan Knowles, uh, who I believe is a friend Johnny of, Knowles. Uh, of D and Biebs. Uh, so thanks, Jonathan, for becoming a patron. Uh, your pledge Love is Johnny. very much appreciated. And uh so that Risto shirt that I won last week, which I'm still uh, getting ready to order, we're also going to order another shirt for a patron this week. Uh, we're going to put all of our patrons' names in a draw, pull a name, uh, and, and now the winner will receive their very own Risto shirt. We'll obviously hold off uh, before we order a size. Uh, so I'll wait on mine because the patrons deserve one too. So we'll, 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 a little bit of a give back. Uh, for our patrons, because everybody loves them a little bit, Aristo, uh, who <laughs> will most definitely be kept by the Buffalo Sabers. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, so B, or sorry, D, uh, Biebs is gone not night. Uh, tired for these. <laughs> but uh, so let's just take a quick look at the NFL or NFL. Jesus Murphy, tough start to second half here. NHL playoff picture. Uh, we're really getting close. About just under thirty games for some teams. Uh, most teams around 30 games left in the year. Uh, so obviously the playoff picture is taking form here. Uh, the East is a bit of a shit show. It's just anybody's game at this point, especially with the way Montreal has been playing lately and the Atlantic division. Um, but D, who's the one team, we'll start with the East, that you can see potentially that you know currently holds a playoff spot as we speak that could potentially uh, be dropping out you know, in April? Uh, you know, I, to me, like you got to look at the wild card and Philly there. Uh, the minus twenty goal differential will lot of, won a lot of one goal games. Um, probably not that likely to continue. Uh, Ottawa to me has been a bit of a surprise, but they've been pretty steady all year long, and they do have uh, games in hand on both teams left. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Montreal is interesting, man. Like the Leafs and Sens. Again, like, I don't think the Leafs are by far uh, or anything close to you know uh, a sure bet at this point. Um, they obviously got themselves in a nice spot, but I, I would say one of those three, I'd be surprised if, you know, it all stays the same from here on out. I think, um, you know, the Islanders and Panthers could both really make a push from the outside looking in and the Bruins for that matter. Yeah. I, I just, I've been sitting there just looking at the Bruins all year thinking that they're a team, uh, that should be in there. I mean, league worst PDO. We've, we've really touched on all their, uh, analytical numbers that have just really been, you know, out of the ordinary. I don't mm-hmm. love Philadelphia. Uh, I, I kind of tend to agree with you there as a team that can that's most likely to drop out for me. Obviously, they're the team that is uh, kind of holding on by the skin of their teeth, so it's easy to kind of pick on them. But sure. I think the one reason for for me not to like Philadelphia is just their goaltending. I think there's a lot more to like about other teams' goaltending. I, I, I know Michael Newworth has come back and played a little bit better, but I think... If you just look at the teams underneath them, there's just a little bit more to like uh, about the goaltending situations. I mean, Tuka Rask uh, has shown himself to be premier goaltender. Thomas Grice has really played uh, a lot better. I think like it, it'd be hard for me to say that uh, Michael Neuverth or, or Steve Mason is just you know much better than Thomas Grice, or you know I sure. actually think that they're both worse. But I'm just you know, and then you got Roberto Luongo, James Reimer, who are both really quality goaltenders. Corey Schneider, who's been one of the best goalies in the NHL over the years. Uh, it's so this is. 
It's going to be a really crazy finish. Ottawa, like you mentioned, has obviously been pretty surprising. The Leafs, uh, the Leafs special teams is kind of starting to work itself out, like I mentioned a few weeks ago. But I still think that they have enough offensive punch to at least qualify for a wild card mm-hmm. spot by the end and of the year. And obviously, like Anderson, how Anderson plays from here on out is a big thing, too. He, his play was a big reason, you know, they are where they are right now. Yeah. <clears throat> he really needs uh, But that's like, you know, you look at all of these teams, that, like, aside from, you know, really Philadelphia, all these teams – have gotten really reliable goaltending this season to date. The ones that are sitting in a playoff spot. And it's crazy, too, because, like, even, like, as a Red Wings fan, like, honestly, like, as a, as a guy who's a Wings fan who, who, who's seen the playoffs every year of his life, I would love to see the Wings in the playoffs, even if they get swept in four oh, games. Because I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a stupid fan, but, uh, <laughs> but the, you know, I think, obviously, teams like that, like, I think Tampa Bay, it's kind of a lost season, uh, you know, the, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, the Red Wings, those teams are probably be better. It's just served. funny the way that, sorry, not to cut you off, but like you say that, but Tampa is only, you know, in 10th place, four points well, back and that's, Boston. And that, that's where I was going to get to. Not it's just like, place, I think, I, I think that they're just like, you know, it's been lost seasons and those are teams that would probably be better served by missing the playoffs. Uh, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think the Red Wings, even if they do qualify, will do any damage. I don't think the Sabres would or the Hurricanes or the Devils or whatever. Uh, but if you just look, I mean, they're five points back. Uh, with, yeah. You know, with games in hand, I mean, the Wings have a game in hand. It, it, it's a absolute toss-up this year. It's really crazy how it's kind of yeah, worked and out. It's, it's, yeah, like, sorry. Uh, like, it's not even to say that the East has been that bad, because I actually think the East is pretty strong this year. Uh, it's just the Atlantic's more the been bad. The Metro's yeah. been... I, I can't remember who tweeted out today, but I'm pretty sure the it's top amazing, yeah. four in the Metro have more points combined than every team in the Atlantic combined. I'm pretty sure yeah. something like that. So that's crazy. But... So let's just say if you had to pick one team that was falling out and one team that's going in, who would you pick right now? Mm, I would slide the Panthers in for Philly. I'm in. I'm in the same boat, brother. I just. I just think. I just, I just think Barkov and Hubert are yeah. coming back. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, I, I was working on a buy low candidate art, uh, article today, and I just I love the potential. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier of Aaron Ekblad. Um, and, and, yeah, and, I didn't and, want to mention him. And Yarmer Yager. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. not going to go too in depth, but just obviously those additions of, of Barkov and Huberto is going to make such a difference, especially for somebody like Yager, uh, just who had so much success with them last year. And I absolutely love both Barkov and Huberto. So I think the yeah. Panthers have a lot to look forward here. Uh, sorry, look forward to here in the second half. Uh, but I definitely would not be sleeping on the Bruins or the Islanders uh, as much as we've really kind of trashed the Islanders in the past and the Bruins a little bit today. But I think the Bruins are a great hockey team. I really do. Uh, mm-hmm. just t- might take a little bit of Tuka Rask's magic here in the second half. Uh, but moving along here to the Western Conference, uh, one team you could see dropping out, one team you could see uh, you know moving into the playoff spot. Um, you know, kind of interesting here. Like The West is, is definitely a lot more top-heavy than it's been in the past this season. Um I think the Pacific is pretty set with those top three, um, especially when you consider, you know, Anaheim maybe hasn't even quite played to their peak yet this season. Um, so the, I think they're in really good shape. Uh, you know, the Blues, for everything that's been said about them lately, still in a playoff spot right now. Calgary, to me, is the one, you know, again, we're picking on the people sitting in last place here. But, you know, right now they're sitting in the second wild card spot. But with these games in hand, you know, a night or two, it's probably going to look a little bit different. Right. Um or lack of games at hand, sorry, I guess uh, Calgary's played more games than anyone else in the conference. Um, and I, if I had to pick one team to swing in, like, again, I know I'm taking the easier route, but I really do think it's the Kings. Um, 
you know, especially if they get quick back. Uh, again, like Enroth has played. Budai, not, Budai, Budai. Sorry, Budai. Yeah, Budai, sorry. Um, Got Budai, your leaf cap on. <laughs> yeah, just a few years off there. But, um, I, like, Budai has definitely, you know, played better than anyone could have hoped and probably pretty close to Jonathan Quick's standards, actually, uh, when you really get down and look at He's it. He's about but to I, get a 10 year contract, isn't he? Leading the league in shows. <laughs> yeah, pretty much it. Um, but I. I I still think, regardless, it's going to have a boost. Um, you know, Budai still hasn't been playing every game, so the very least, those games are going to get a lot stronger down the stretch. And yep. I just think um, for the Kings players, uh, as well as Budai has played, and you know, as much as I've harped on Jonathan Quick in the past, there's no way it's not a boost for them getting Quick back. Um, yeah, so I, to me, it's the Kings. Uh, the Jets are super interesting too. Uh, I don't see the Canucks really putting things together. The Stars, I thought would be better than they are, but I think you know. Um, like we were kind of talking about earlier, not as much depth as they might have had a year ago. With the you know, right now, Spets being out, Sharp not producing anywhere near as what you had hoped, and obviously the goaltending in Dallas, I think, is the real thing keeping them out of the playoffs right now. Um, so to me, like the West seems a little more straightforward right now. Um, but I would, I would kind of expect LA to overtake Calgary for that last spot at the very least. And you kind of alluded to how the West is a little more top heavy. Uh... It's weird because I think for a lot of years we've seen uh, the the Eastern Conference being the lesser of the two conferences, and the West has really been seemingly more dominant in the at least in the regular season. Uh, mm-hmm. But this team, it seems, or sorry, this season, it seems like the mighty have fallen a bit. Uh, I think Minnesota is a pretty quality team. I really like Devin Dubnik. Uh, I like a lot of things they have going, but I mean Chicago is not the same. Nashville's not nearly as, uh, as as dominant as I expect them to be. San Jose's a really quality squad, uh, but, I mean, I don't think they're amazing. Anaheim is, you know, Randy Carlisle coaches there, so I'm not in love with them. Uh, they need a couple pieces. Edmonton is still just the Edmonton Oilers. They're still trying to figure it out. Uh, it's a good show. Yeah, the Blues, uh, we talked about it earlier. They just kind of... They've fallen off a bit. They just they're missing some pieces. Their goaltending's not been as good. The West just is not as dominant as they've been in the years past. I mean, I if, if it were up to me, I would probably pick three teams out of the East to really have the best shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, but I mean, I, I think the obvious answer uh, is definitely Calgary um, for dropping off. I just. I, I do, as much as I like Chad Johnson and Brian Elliott, uh, I don't like Chad Johnson and Brian Elliott so much. I mean, like, if, if you're going to tell me, if you're going to tell me to pick between uh, Peter Budai, who's been really good this year, whether or not it's voodoo or not, and then a returning Jonathan Quick yeah. versus uh, Elliott and Chad Johnson, I'm going to take Budai and Quick all day. Uh, I would love to pick the Winnipeg Jets. I really would. I love the Jets, honestly. If the Red Wings like weren't a team tomorrow, like the Winnipeg Jets would be my new favorite team. I love the Jets, but they they're idiots, man. Like, what are they doing? I'm so happy Pavlik got hurt. Like, so like they could just stop playing him. Hellebuck is the guy. I I talked about him. I think uh, last week or two weeks ago, saying he was my mm-hmm. my second half break you know breakout candidate in in net. Uh, so you know, hopefully Hellebuck. He looked really strong in relief the other night. Uh, hopefully, you should just, avoid those bad games, man. Those yeah, it's just got to be down. more consistent. I mean, apparently, you can give up three or four a night, but if you make the big saves, you can <laughs> stay in net in Winnipeg. So, hopefully, Hellebuck can make those air air quotes here, air quotes, timely saves and stay in the crease. Um, so, I'm going to go ahead and I'm not going to say LA and I'm not going to say Calgary. 
I'm going to go with Winnipeg Jets sneaking in there as my as my final playoff team. I just love the Jets. Yeah. I would love to see them in the playoffs. And you know what? I think that uh, uh, a Winnipeg-Minnesota matchup, oh, that'd be a nice one. I would love to see some Winnipeg-Minnesota. It would be a nice, yeah, I mean, something new. As good as Minnesota is and they've been, I still don't think they're as good as their record. Well, they're just I'm not super buying. hot right now. Like they are. Yeah, just and I'm flagging. not buying that they're one of the best teams in the league. I'm just not. I'm sorry, Wild fans. Um, if we have any that listen to the show, oh, I'm sure we have probably 55. At least 10. <laughs> at least 10. But maybe uh, not at least 10. No. <laughs> Anyways, I think I, I think we're pretty bang on. I mean, I think we take the easy road, but I, it, it's hard. To, I mean, at this point, it's it's easy to look at teams like you would love to say the Edmonton Oilers are going to drop out because yeah. they're the, you know they're the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you know, to pull a Beebs there, but well, they're just been, really... they have been great. I I I just love Cam Talbot. I like what they're about. I I like that team a lot. I mean, if we're really going to look at it, there's only four teams that can even threat Calgary right now, right? It's L.A., Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Dallas. Arizona and, like, and Colorado. I can't even believe I can't even believe it, Vancouver is, totally is ahead of Dallas. Like, how did that happen? Like, they're tied, but they I just think it. they're it's, meddling along, and Dallas is just you know, Dallas dude, really needs to I, figure out the goaltending situation. But that's Iran, the one like, thing what, that year three doing. of the Niemi Letnin experiment. It's not working. Um, yeah, like it, yeah, it, not a lot left to say here. I don't think. No, no. It's just a shame, though. Dallas is wasting, you know, a lot of top-tier talent right now with the goalies they have. Again, sorry to the families of Niemi and Lightning if they listen at all. They or, don't. You know, they, they, they don't. They definitely don't. They might. The Stahl family clearly didn't listen. Yeah, they didn't get a text from Jared Stahl this week uh, wanting to come on the show. But let's move oh, in dude. quickly into the expansion draft. So what we did, this was a lot more difficult than we anticipated uh, because it's really hard for uh, as an outsider to kind of take a look – at a team and really value all their players, but we did our best, um, and we did. We use Cap Friendly's tool, which is sensational. Uh, it has everybody marked in. You, you go in, you click every single player um, that you want to keep, and it, it sorts it all out for you. And at the end of the day, you go and draft your team. So we, we're we're, mo- we're moving our way along here. We started off with the Ducks, the Coyotes, the Bruins, and the Sabers. Um, so what happens, briefly, we're just going to explain what can happen uh, in terms of keeping players is if you want to keep an extra defenseman, you're basically screwed. Uh, so what you can do is you can keep seven defensemen, or sorry, seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. Yeah. Or you can just keep, so that's ten skaters and a goalie. But if you want to keep an extra defenseman, you can only keep uh, four, four, or like eight skaters altogether. So whether it's, uh, you yeah, know, so four, forward, four forwards and yeah, yeah. So four forwards and, and, uh, four D men or three forwards and five D men and then a goalie. So however, I you guess theoretically you could go eight forwards and no D men too. Yeah. 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 So however, yeah, you could do that, I guess, if you want to keep eight forwards, but I think every team's at least got one defenseman. Uh, they, and you know what? Actually, dude, the Red Wings don't have any, I mean, Mike Green's, well, maybe Mike Green. But he's going to be gone in a couple years anyway. It's so weird to look at this. But um, anyway, yeah. So let's let, let's start with the Ducks. Uh, so the consensus that we came up with: uh, you have to keep uh, Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, Ryan Kessler, and Kevin Bieksa. All four of those players um, have no movement clauses. So uh, as of February eighth, uh, the the Ducks really have a strong blue line, and they haven't traded one of these guys uh, by tomorrow. They may have traded Humpus Lindholm, Sammy Vatnin, and Cam and or Cam Fowler. Uh, but as of today, we think that they do keep the extra defenseman. 
Uh, yeah, they I, have it, to at this point. It's tough. It, it, it's just tough for me to say that they're going to let go of Lindholm, Vatnin, or Fowler. Uh, they're all just greats. I think it's a lot easier to find a, a forward, especially a winger, than it is to find a really good defenseman, and they have three good ones there. Uh, mm-hmm. And then our last forward was Ricard Raquel. So the big loser here, uh, actually probably the big winner here, is Las Vegas, who can pick up Jakob Silverberg. Um, but the one thing worth noting is if the, the Ducks do end up moving one of those defensemen, um, it actually might be less with the intention of winning the Stanley Cup this year and more with the intention of we really cannot afford to lose a player like Silverberg. Um, and yeah, we, I mean, it would let them keep uh, another forward too, right? They cog the Exactly, um, yeah. Or potentially, you know, anyone else they would get back in the trade. But yeah, kind of a shitty situation for the Ducks right now. Because um, you know if the exit didn't have that no-movement exactly, clause, there's no yeah. way he'd be yeah. protected. That's the big issue is the no-movement clause on BX. So that, that's a huge yeah. uh, it's a huge loss. Maybe they'll get him to waive that no-move and, and go to a, a different uh, contender. Yeah. But as of now, like, I can't imagine Las Vegas not adding Silverberg. Oh, my God, he, dude. I think he's he a legit be, top oh, nine, either, like, borderline top six on any team, let alone you know. He'd be their first team. pick probably. Like, he might be yeah. – if, if, <laughs> if, if this is actually how it works, works out – he might be literally their best player next year. Like they might be building around Jakob Silverberg, and I and I like Silver. But so again, just to quickly recap, we have uh, as forwards Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, Ryan Kessler, and Ricard Raquel, with Jakob Silverberg being the one player left off, and then Lindholm, Vatnin, Fowler, and Bieksa because of his no movement clause, and then their one goaltender obviously being John Gibson. Um, right. So then moving to the Coyotes now. Uh, I would love some input. Way harder than you would think. <laughs> yeah, I would love some input from some Coyotes fans on this one because uh, it, it was tough. So basically, uh, it's harder for us because we don't know for sure what's going to happen with Martin Hansel. I think that there's a really, really strong likelihood that Hansel gets dealt at the deadline. Uh, hmm. So if we if we look outside of, of Martin Hansel, I think Shane Doan can obviously be traded too. If we look and just like take Hansel off the roster, when you look at this team... Uh, I mean, Jamie McGinn, maybe, Tobias Reeder, and Anthony Duclair are, like, the three forwards that makes... I'd say Reeder and Duclair for sure. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I McGinn, think I think, like, you almost just have to because they don't have anybody else. Right. I, like, think, I feel like Peter Holland gets Yeah, protected. I think Peter Holland, who has been, like, just tossed around the league like a ragdoll and probably yeah. would have been a, a Las Vegas Knight, has kind of actually found a nice fit in, in, in Arizona. I think Peter Holland's a guy that can get kept... Uh, I mean, I don't think they keep somebody like Verbata, who's had a nice season. I think he's another guy. That he's a UFA get, too, he's, Yeah, and that's what I mean. I think he's another guy that can get traded at the deadline. Uh, whether they want to just start keeping bottom six guys is be, you know, it's up to them. Uh, yeah, have like to, if we're looking at that, I think maybe Martinuk uh, might get held on to. Yep, yep. That's that's the one player I think that they would definitely take a look at. Uh, Burmistrov they seem to be fairly happy with, which is crazy to say. Um, uh-huh. But then, obviously, they have to keep Golgoski, no movement clause. Uh, and then Oliver Ekman-Larsen, duh. Uh, Connor Murphy is is another player that they seem to really like. Only 23 years old, signed through 2022. Uh-huh. Um, Michael Stone, another UFA this season. He's had a tough year. I think that's another guy that they could potentially look at keeping and go with the extra defenseman if they don't uh, find themselves having a real need. But, I mean, our understanding would be if they don't have him signed by that point, they're just protecting him for the extra, what, nine days of negotiating. And and so, basically, uh, we kind of took – we kind of, you know, took a cop out on this one and didn't fully fill out our Arizona roster because I think we need to really see how this shakes out. So, I'm sorry to our listeners if you really do care – 
Uh, but come trade deadline day, when we really see what this roster looks like, I think we'll yeah, have a better understanding. So we'll, we'll revisit the Arizona Coyotes um, and then kind of come circle back to this when we decide to draft our team. Uh, uh, yeah, really, our season. only for sure's right now are Declare, um, Reader, Ekman, and Goligoski, Murphy, Ekman, Larson. And we they, even disagreed on the goalies a little bit. They can go either uh, way. With you know what? I, I think that they, like, I think that. I think they keep Smith. I, I think that they do – I tend to think that they do as well just as a – I mean, he's literally their best player outside of Ekman Larson. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think they like him a lot, and I don't think the salary matters that much because I think they'll have more trouble Oh, it's not even before. about the salary. That team is right. not about the salary, but yeah. No, but, but it almost it almost They almost need it. Especially with Datsuk's uh, contract is going to be off the books, right? So they I was like going to say, they should just they should just uh, protect Datsuk. He was exempt, but they should just protect him anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know like, why he's, he's, exempt, he's, but... he's on our team. We really like him. Uh, but let's move along quickly here to the Boston Bruins. Uh, no movement clauses for David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, David Backus, and Zidane Charles. So that's four players right off the bat. Um, we really think that this team is going to keep uh, – Not they're not going to take their extra defensemen because they really don't have any. So they're going to keep those three yeah. forwards I mentioned in addition to Brad Marchand, uh, Ryan Spooner, David Backus. Uh, and then it's really kind of a toss-up. Well, you know, maybe Matt Bolesky. I'm, I tend to think that they might let him go. Did you say Pasternak? I think you missed Yeah, No, I said Pasternak, yeah. Uh, I think Bolesky's a guy they could let go just because he, you know, makes three point eight million per year. Maybe take somebody like Riley Nash. Uh, yeah. Tim Shaler seems to be a nice fit there this year. He had a tough yeah. time in, in in Buffalo, but it seems like I know Bruins fans love him for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the back end, we've got Tori Krug, uh, and then it seems to be a toss up between Colin Miller and Adam McQuaid. It's it's basically like a do you want to keep a steady stay at home defenseman for two years and Adam McQuaid, you know, rugged guy, hard to play against, or Colin Miller with a bit of more a bit more upside. We uh, agreed it, that I think it's going to be McQuaid. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how uh, what's his face Davis, the new coach. Remember his last name? Old what? Old what's his face? Was it Payne? Yeah. Was Payne? Something like that. Um, Because we know, like, Julian liked McQuaid a lot, right? Like, he felt really comfortable using him, like, using him in a lot of situations. So, you know, probably he would have had more sway towards keeping McQuaid maybe over a guy like Miller. Um, The one thing we want to point out is, yeah, there's a toss-up here. But, like, if they were to keep both of these guys, you're basically sacrificing Ryan Spooner, which is, I don't think is something they want to do at this no. point. And you know what? The one thing that really works in McQuaid's favor is, is he's played like 300 hours with Tory Krug. Like they've just become inseparable <laughs> basically. And that, that's just, a, you don't like yeah. to just give away continuity like that. So yeah. I think, so I think it's going to be McQuaid, but I, um, I agree. No, know, I agree. And, and I don't he has signed exactly for a couple more years at a reasonable yeah. contract. Yeah, I just don't have the greatest feel on, you know, how how they feel about Colin Miller. Uh, I just know that I Julian think, like, if we were talking last year, uh, they were a lot higher on Miller. This year, not sure. so much. I think, the yeah. you know, Brandon Carlo moving in ha- has lessened mm-hmm. the attention on Miller. Right. So I think, like, and he's, and, Mil- and Carlo, sorry, is uh, exempt. So I think, like, if you, you know, Chara, I'll be around for maybe another year here. You know, you got Chara, Carlo, Krug, McQuaid. At least you know for sure your top four for another year is still intact while keeping yeah. basically your entire top six uh, in order. And then obviously... And then uh, uh, almost certainly then. Malcolm Subban goes unprotected, which is notable as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Subban's Unless, you know... In, Subban's in big eight. danger. But uh, he hasn't had the greatest year. He has not had the greatest year in the AHL, so... I mean, there's, there, I'm just saying, Rass signed at seven million a year for the next four seasons. After uh, you know, kind of 
regressing the last two, or I guess his play just kind of falling off the last two seasons. Um, it's you so could see a just... shocker there is all I'm going to say, but I'm not expecting it. <laughs> a shocker. That'd be crazy. But I, don't, that I would think be if wild. they like Subban more, they would go that route, but I just don't think they like Subban enough to do it. No, and he just hasn't had that good of a year. I mean, they keep bringing up yeah. McIntyre instead of... Uh, and, exactly. And McIntyre exactly. hasn't lost a game in, in Providence, as, uh, I think, as of last time I checked. But anyway, last but not least, we have the Buffalo Sabres where Kyle Lock, Poso... Uh, is their only player with a no-movement clause. Uh, so he's not going anywhere. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly's not going anywhere. I know over and over and over again I've joked about it can't be the Las Vegas Knights without Evander Kane, but he's had a really big month. Uh, he's been on fire recently. I think Evander Kane gets kept. Um, only 25. I think Zemgis Gergensen is a, is a lock to get kept. Uh, Marcus Foligno has really worked himself into a player that's going to get kept this year. Uh, and then we really had a tough time with this. I think Matt Molson's a guy at $5 million per that's n- not going to be protected. Brian Gionta at 30. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless, Brian Gionta at 38 years old, not going to be protected. Uh, also so, UFA because otherwise, you know, we'll see. Yeah. So I'm just saying. What we ended up doing. A world where they re-signed Gionta for something low um, and they end up protecting him just because. Uh, they obviously yeah. like Brian Gionta a lot. Like it's hard yeah. not to. Good guy. Uh, but it's just, it, I just think like it, it's just worth protecting your assets. I feel like even like down the line, right? But more... I don't think Johan Larson is an asset, and I don't think Tyler Ennis is an asset. So it's basically where we're at right now. Those are the other two forwards. Uh, we kind of came to the conclusion that are most likely to get protected. The one thing about Ennis is he has to actually play the remaining eighteen game or eighteen more games this season. Otherwise, he'll be considered exempt with not having met the games played. He'll probably uh, ha- he'll probably play like seventeen and then just ah broken leg and then. Exempt. Well, I mean, you know, they'd be. I wonder smart. how that works. I wonder how that works. Like, I wonder if you can just they'd be, be like, smarter, ah, sneaky, I can't play. But we'll see. Uh, and then on defense, obviously, wrist out. And then uh, Zach Bogosian, who's had a really sucks, tough go. Yeah. Way too much yeah, his, he, uh, he has to be sticking around. Uh, Kulikov's a free agent, so we didn't keep him. And then Jake McCabe, uh, who's become a really strong uh, 23-year-old defenseman on the back end there. Uh, so they're obviously keeping him. Letting guys like Josh Georges, uh, Cody Franzen, who's also UFA this year, go. And then Robin Justin Maynard. Falk is interesting only in the sense that they just re-signed him. Yeah, it's true. They randomly they, gave him an But I think they thought he was the other Jolston Falk. No? <laughs> <laughs> I think they just got fucked up. They're like, oh. I was like. Dude, this guy got six. We just gave this guy six million. It wasn't even the right guy. <laughs> they didn't actually give him six million. I'm just messing around. Uh, but Robin Lehner, obviously their goaltender to be kept. Um, so Stop. what we're going to do, obviously it might be a little bit more difficult to keep up with this. So after each one of these episodes, we're going to tweet out um, the, the players that we've come to a consensus agreement on, which we haven't totally yet, obviously, <laughs> but we're, we're working on it. The guys we've come to a consensus agreement on that we think each team is going to keep, we'll tweet that list out, and then we're going to continue to build it up uh, as we go along here. So next week, obviously, we've got the Flames, the Hurricanes, the Blackhawks, and the Avalanche. Uh, it's going to be tough as we approach the deadline, but after the deadline, it should get a little easier in the you know the back half of this. But we're going to do our best to kind of just you know make educated decisions, uh, and then based on the guys that we decided to keep for each team at the end of the season, we'll draft our uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, and hopefully, cool yeah, you know it'll be cool to kind of compare to see how how many players we ended up getting right. Uh, it'll probably not be a lot, but you know I, I I have some faith in us, I really do. So, anyways. 
as I think always, right now is a pretty huge lock unless they move one of those uh, D man in Anaheim. Yeah, so we're we're one for one essentially. Is what we're saying. Ah. We're the best. We're the best. One for one. About a thousand here. Anyways, thank you for listening to episode number 52 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan, with me in Brantford, Dylan D. Berthew, and not with us in bed, Michael Beavis Bondi. <laughs> Enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you guys back here for episode number 53 next week. Broke Peace. down, so I walked the line. I dropped my wounds and I down. I'm out of money. I'm out of time. Fly low like a broken arrow Time slows and my vision arrows I'm out of money, I'm out of time Sing your hearts out, sing it loud Make me happy, make me proud Black holes, solid ground Black holes, solid ground A thousand voices set on free Because it's I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.